before we get started, I wanted to ask uh, Jesse Northcutt, if he's here, to come up, and then also uh, Rick Johnson, you come up. And I didn't see if Gideon, is, is Gideon Bucus here? He's not? Okay. If you guys would stand right down here, here's what I want to do. Um, I'm going to ask in just a second a couple of guys, how many ever want to do it, to come up and lay hands on these two guys because uh, in just a few weeks, this gentleman right here, Jesse Northcutt, you're going back when? Sunday. Sunday. You know, it's sooner than I thought. He's going back to Northern Ireland. He's uh, a missionary there with Greater Europe Missions and uh, in Dublin, Ireland, and his family is there, and he's been apart from them for quite a while, but he's going back. And we're going to pray for him as he heads back on Sunday. And then Rick Johnson hopes to be leaving in January to go to India for the second time to do a missions trip there to spread the gospel throughout India. And he is in the process of trying to raise funds for that trip to happen. And he went last year. Uh, It was a life-changing moment for him. He's just a layman who God called to go do this. So if you would, we're going to pray for them. If some guys would come up, just lay hands on these guys, and I'm going to lift them up in prayer. So... Come up and do that. Don't be afraid. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and um, what a privilege it is to pray for uh, two men, one a career missionary who you've called to serve you full-time on the mission field, And while we don't think of Ireland being a place where the gospel needs to be heard, Father, it is desperately in need of the gospel. Uh, They speak our language, but they don't love our Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would give Jesse a, a, a new anointing of your Holy Spirit, that he could go back with a passion more than he's ever had before. I pray that you would prepare his way as he goes back. I pray, Father, that you would prepare the hearts of the people in the towns and villages where he ministers, in the church where he ministers. Father, would you prepare the way and prepare hearts ready to hear the gospel and receive the gospel. I pray that the Holy Spirit would go before him and just smooth out the path, smooth out the way. I pray that you'd watch over his family, keep them well, keep them whole for his sons, that they would uh, be men of God seeking you in all ways. I pray that you would make his relationship with his wife deeper, richer, sweeter than it's ever been. And I know he's anxious to see his family, and I pray for safety as he he travels, Father. Use him, continue to change him, guide him, direct him, and when we see him again, may we hear from him exciting stories of the work of God all throughout Ireland. Father, I pray for Rick. I thank you that you have placed in his heart a desire to go and do what many of us would not do or would refuse to do. And that's to go to a country where they don't speak our language, they don't look like us, eat like us, dress like us, act like us, don't worship like us. And to take time away from work and to go and to serve and to share and to give and get out of his comfort zone in a major way. Father, I pray that you would bring in every single sent that he needs to be able to go i pray that if there are men in this room who can help make that happen that you would lay it on their heart not out of guilt but just out of a sheer desire and a joy to see your kingdom spread 
I pray that in the meantime you would give Rick peace, that he can trust you. If your will is for him to go, then he will go. And that you would prepare his heart. And that you would, again, prepare the way. There is so much persecution going on in India right now where people are literally being killed because of the gospel. And so, Father, I pray that you would, again, prepare the way for him and the team of people who will be going. And may we hear from him when he returns uh, amazing stories of the power of God and the lives of people to transform people of every nation and every tongue. I also pray for Gideon because he's going to be going back to South Africa soon with his family. And I pray that you would, again, in the same way, prepare his heart and prepare the, the path ahead of him as he goes back. I know his kids are kind of struggling with uh, leaving again and they've gotten acclimated and now they have to go back and, Lord, get their hearts ready. Uh, Give them safety as they travel. And, Lord, may his ministry there blossom and flourish. And, and Lord, may we lift these men up uh, throughout the week uh, and the weeks ahead as they are on the front lines doing ministry. Uh, Lord, they are no different than us. They have the same pains. They have the same hurts. They have the same worries, the same needs that we have and we just ask that you would put your arms around them and take care of them and use them in a mighty way and we pray this in the name of jesus christ your son amen thank you guys you bet well i think it's appropriate that we open our time with prayer because that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning and uh, i'm going to do my best to make this not a guilt-ridden, beat you up, make you feel lousy, you go home and never want to come back again message. Because that could be real easy to do with prayer. Because uh, prayer is a tough topic for all of us. It's, it's one of the things I probably struggle with the most in my personal walk with the Lord. But it's, it's tough. And it's, it's uh, you know, we, last week we talked about Jesus Christ being the example for us as men of a man filled with and anointed by, led by, directed by the Spirit of God. And if he needs the Spirit of God, so do we. And one of the things the Spirit of God does for you and I is he, he helps us in our prayer efforts. He directs us. He guides us. He even speaks on our behalf when it comes to prayer. So the role of the Holy Spirit is pretty important when it comes to prayer. And this week we're going to see that Jesus Christ modeled for you and I the prayer of a godly man, the prayer life of a godly man. But in studying it and looking at it... Um, one of the things that's dawned on me is that, you know, my, my prayer life struggles at times. And, and I struggle with how to pray and what to pray. And I've got a dad who's a man of prayer, and he's taught prayer for over 30 years. Uh, and I've sat through his seminars and his messages. And I know more about prayer than I can shake a stick at and I know what to do with. It's, it's really just a matter of doing it. Uh, but it comes, it comes hard sometimes. And as we thought about this as a church, we've determined that it's really kind of throughout our church we struggle with prayer and that we're not necessarily a church of prayer. And so in January, just this kind of an uh, advertisement, we're going to be doing a series from the pulpit and we're also going to weave it into our small groups just like we did this fall campaign. It starts January 18th and it's called iChat, Improving Your Conversations with God. Um, it's just going to be a short series on the prayer life of Jesus, where we'll get into greater depth than I can do it here this morning, but Ted's going to be preaching on the the prayer life of Jesus, we're going to be studying the prayer life of Jesus in our small groups, and it's something we need, it's something we desperately need, because we're called to be people of prayer, we're called to be men of prayer, 
but many of us are not. We pray sporadically, we pray weekly, we pray without faith, we pray and we don't give any answers, and, and yet God has given us this incredible tool and privilege, and the reason we're calling it iChat is because I think many of us have turned prayer into such a spiritual discipline that it just, it's too heavy-handed, and we've lost the idea that it's just a conversation. It's a conversation with God. It's, it's me chatting with God throughout the day in a variety of ways. Well, I ran across a little video that I want to show you. Chris, have you got that ready? And this, this is what I think many of us, how many of us approach our prayer life. Now, there is a depiction of Jesus in this. I don't want you to get offended. Please don't send me emails. Uh, enjoy it, okay? It's just kind of a humorous look at my prayer life and your prayer life. Jesus, sorry I'm late. Work was crazy today. No, don't get up. It's okay. I uh, just got a little bit behind. People are being crazy, you know. That's no problem, Chuck. I'm just glad. I'm glad I made it, too. Listen, let's get down to business. I have a lot of work here. A lot of requests. First things first, pastor and his wife are at a conference. Keep them safe. Um, I'm not a fan of the assistant pastor. The less he preaches, the better. Uh, What else? Ralph, his wife, is getting a tattoo removed. It's a stupid college party way back when. You know how those things go. It's in a real painful spot. I'm not a fan of football here, but my friend is. And if I could have two tickets to take him to show him how cool I am so he'd be my friend some more, that'd be great. My dog Nibbles has a gimp leg. Chimney crickets. You know, now that I'm thinking, I could use a new jacket. I'm getting fuzzies all in this one. Please bless my sister, my mother, my father. Our father who art in heaven. My neighbor, Cindy. Hallowed be thy name. Can you sort of train my church to clap on two and four, please? One and three, this is not disco, people. This is serving the Lord. The guy who brings in my shopping cart from the thing. Something I can do to get a raise. Can you read what I wrote here? I think I was I was dreaming. Plus the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Secretaries. Bless their secretaries. <laughs> Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. And that's what bothers me about my mother. <laughs> hey, look at the time there. That's uh, uh, got to get going there. Jesus going to wrap this up and say amen. Amen. Uh, it's been a pleasure praying with you. It's fine evening. I'll be talking with you. Have a good day. Okay. Yeah. The sad thing is, it is so true. It's so true. Now, I hope that's not what Jesus looks like, but it is so true that we come to Jesus with this kind of litany of stuff that we're just blowing through. And okay, and oh yeah, I got to pray for this, and I got to pray for this, and and I just wonder. I love the looks on Jesus' face. You know, he's got his cup of coffee. He's going. He's just trying to get a word in edgewise, and we don't even give him a chance. Well, this morning I want us to look at the prayer life of Jesus. How how did Jesus pray? And what did Jesus think about prayer? And what was his view on prayer? And if you go and read through the Gospels, there's no one passage where Jesus sits down and gives a lecture on prayer. See, that's what we want. 
uh, you know, it's Luke 14, it's verses 1 through 12, and it's a lecture on prayer, and he tells me everything I need to know about prayer. No, Jesus wove his teachings on prayer all throughout his ministry. So you read it all throughout the Gospels. And you have to kind of look for it, and you have to glean from it. And it's something we need to get our hands around. And we're just going to touch the tip of the iceberg this morning. But just a few passages I want to look at that kind of start this off. This is from Mark 1.35, and it gives you an idea of the kind of life Jesus lived when it comes to prayer. It says, very early in the morning, very early in the morning, very early in the morning, while it was still dark. No, sorry, it was early in the morning, still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early in the morning, Jesus got up, got in his car, drove to work, and got busy. That's not what it says. Very early in the morning, Jesus got up before the crack of dawn, went to work, and he healed people. No, it's he prayed. He prayed. How about this one? Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He got there and he went there alone. He, he spent time alone. How about this one? Luke 6. One of these, those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Spent the night praying to God. I've only done that one time in my life, actually prayed through the night, uh, and I did it with a group of people, and that way I had to stay awake. Um, we did it in this room, and it was years ago, and we were praying for a, a, a Bible conference that we were get, getting ready to have, and there was a group of us that gathered together, and we had an all-night prayer meeting. It was the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. I dreaded it. I didn't look forward to it. I was scared about it. How in the world are we going to pray that long? and not fall asleep, and not get bored. But Jesus did it by himself, and he did it on numerous occasions, all through the night. How about Luke 5? Yet the news about him spread all the more. The crowds of people came to hear him and he, to be healed of their sicknesses, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew. He pulled apart. He was doing his business. He was doing his work. He was doing the will of the Father, but he would pull apart Go away, get alone, go to Mount Side and pray. Luke 9, 18, once, when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? I love this verse. It's always kind of been interesting to me. Jesus was in private praying and his disciples were with him. How does that work? Well, you can do that. You can have people around you and be in private and praying. You don't have to go to a cabin in the mountains. That'd be great, wouldn't it? You could do it right where you are right now. You can be in private and pray and still have people around you. Jesus did it. He found ways to isolate himself. himself. Luke 9, 28 and 29, about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James, and John with him and went up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. This is that transfiguration moment up on the mountain when three of these guys get to watch him And, you know, it it dawned to me, and I I don't have any theological backing for this. It's just a thought. But I wonder if this was the only time that his face changed like that, or did it happen every time he prayed? But this is the first time these guys got to see it. You know, he spent time alone with the Father. He he was engaged with, with the Holy of Holies. He was engaged with God Almighty, and his face showed it. I don't know. But he got alone, and he prayed. 
Here's the first thought this morning I want to give you is Jesus prayed because he needed prayer. Jesus prayed because he needed prayer. Uh, This kind of hit me uh, for the first time this last week. Jesus was not just modeling a life of prayer for us. You know, sometimes I've, I've, I've looked at Jesus and I thought, well, he just did all this stuff for our benefit. He did it for the disciples' benefit. I don't really need to do this, but uh, I'll do it because they need it. No, Jesus prayed because he needed prayer. This verse, I've, I've never seen this verse before. I've never seen it. If I've seen it, I've totally forgotten or didn't understand it. That could have been the case. Hebrews 5, 7, listen to what it says. In the days of his flesh, Jesus... Exactly what we're talking about. Jesus is man. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his his piety. In the days of his flesh, in other words, when he was walking this earth as a man, he offered up both prayers and supplications. You know, prayers being requests, supplications really comes from a word where it's a it was a, uh, like a branch that they would tie white cloth to, and it was held out to petition and ask for an audience. And so he would come with these requests and these needs and these, this petition to the Father with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. Jesus needed to pray. How did he pray? He prayed with loud crying and tears. When's the last time you came to the Father with loud crying and tears over something that was really burdening you? Uh, Maybe a loved one who is sick. Maybe it was a financial disaster. Maybe it was your marriage. Maybe, I don't know, but when you really were that burdened that you came before the Lord in tears and in sorrow and in just this kind of agony. When did Jesus do it? A couple of occasions that we know of, and we don't have all the prayer times of Jesus, but these are just a few. Matthew 26 He took with him Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Think about Jesus. Again, guys, we don't think about Jesus having the same feelings that we have. He was grieved. He was distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. He went a little beyond them, fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, as you will. So you you go back and you look at this verse in Hebrews, and what does it say? With loud crying and tears, he prayed to the one, God, Father, who is able to save him from death, and he was heard. But does it say he got what he asked for? No. Because what does this verse tell us? My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. See, the human side of Jesus didn't really want to do this. He knew it was going to hurt. He knew that the lashes were going to rip his skin. He knew that having nails pierced through his hands and feet were going to hurt. He knew that he was going to be spit upon. He knew that he was going to be ridiculed and rejected. And every fiber of his humanness did not want to go through that. And he even prayed, my father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. See, Jesus went through so much that we experience. John 12, 27 and 28, Now my soul, Jesus says, has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I think this is really saying, you know, I would love to be able to say, man, take it away. 
Save me from this hour. He prayed it in the garden. He's, but you know what? Father, glorify your name. It's, it's for this purpose I came. See, Jesus was a man. Jesus was the God-man. But Jesus had feel, feelings like we have. He had apprehensions. He knew pain. He knew what it was going to be like to suffer. So Jesus needed prayer. I think Jesus coveted times of prayer. Why else in the world would you get up in the wee hours of the morning while it's still dark and go to a mountainside and pray by yourself? I have a hard time just getting out of my bed and doing it. I have a hard time just waking up and praying in my bed without falling back asleep. Something drove him to do this. He coveted times of prayer. He was energized by prayer. He was energized by it. You know, we approach it too often as it's just, it's an agonizing, painful thing that we don't enjoy. We don't look forward to it. And it's just, we're so glad when it's done so we can move on with our day. No, Jesus was energized by prayer. He was directed through prayer. He prayed for the choosing of his disciples. he, He spent the night in prayer. The next day he starts picking. Now he's God. He's, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's all-powerful, yet he prayed and was directed through prayer by the Holy Spirit and knew exactly who to choose the next day. He was ministered to during prayer. I think Jesus came, he came in agony, he came sometimes just in sheer exhaustion. Can you imagine teaching, healing, preaching, walking all day long to massive crowds and then spending the time in prayer so he could get re-energized? You know, what I want to do is just sit in front of the TV and just watch junk. Does anybody get energized by that? No. But Jesus, the thought of just spending time in prayer to get energized, to be ministered to, and to get recharged for the next day, Jesus had that in his mind. How about this? He heard from his Father as a result of prayer. He got on his knees, he got alone, he prayed, and he heard from the Father. He was spoken to by the Father. Many of us want to hear from God. God, speak to me. And he does speak through his word. It's the primary way he speaks to us. But oftentimes he wants to whisper to us and he wants to encourage us through our prayer times, but we, we're not there. We're not talking, so we're not hearing. And he also had the ability to share with his Father via prayer. You know, as guys, one of the things I know, I know it about me and I know it's true of you because I've been working with guys long enough we have stuff that we would love to dump on somebody. But we're not going to dump it on our wives. We're not going to dump it on our friends because they'll think less of us. And so we're not going to dump it on our boss because he'd fire us. And so we don't know who to dump on and we just keep it in. We just. And one of the things that's really hard is to get guys to share with guys. But think about it. If you've got a God who loves you that much and he wants to talk to you, it's the one place you can go and just let it out. And he's not shocked. He's not surprised. He's not up there going, oh, my gosh, you did what? Yeah. You, oh, my. How did that happen? No, he, he knows. But he wants to hear you come and share your needs. It's like I, I want my kids to do the same thing. I want my kids to come and talk to me. I want my kids to share with me what, where they're hurting. And I don't want to have to always drag it out of them. I want them to come to me and say, Dad, I'm really struggling with this. Or... I don't know what to do about this problem with the relationship or, or, or with school. Or I want them to come to me. God wants you to come to him, and he wants you to share with him. 
You know, let me just read these quotes. I ran across these yesterday. You know, you can find all kinds of quotes on prayer. But I stick with the ones that are people who I think lived out a life of prayer. One was John Wesley. He says, I have so much to do. Anybody relate to that? i got so much to do. Man, I, I'm so busy. I shouldn't even be here this morning. i got so much to do. I spend several hours in prayer before I'm able to do it. I read that and think, this guy's a moron. <laughs> I have so much to do that I spend several hours in prayer before I'm able to do it. What a waste of time. Just start doing it. Different attitude. How about Abraham Lincoln? I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had absolutely no other place to go. I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had absolutely no other place to go. You ever felt like that? It's kind of sad that it, we have to get to those occasions. I love this by Ed Cole, kind of the father of the men's ministry movement. He says, wishing will never be a substitute for prayer. Wishing will never be a substitute for prayer. See, Jesus needed prayer, and Jesus' life was characterized by prayer. Let's look at a few of them. We've already touched on this. He got up early. And guys, again, I don't want this to be a a series on conviction, and you just go home and go, I've got to set my alarm at 4 in the morning, and I... That's not the point. The point is, if you're like me, your day is so jam-packed, there is no time to do anything during the day. There's no time to have a quiet time. There's no time to get alone and just rest and talk and think. And sometimes we have to make the time somewhere. And I guarantee if if somebody invited you to their dear lease and it required you to get up at 4 o'clock tomorrow morning, you would be up at 3 o'clock. You know, getting your gun out and get, you know, getting it clean and checking everything. And you, you'd have your gear out and you'd wake the family up. You'd just make a noise. And why? Because it means so much to you. Guys, does it mean anything to you to get along with God? And sometimes it's going to mean getting up early. I do not like to get up early. As a matter of fact, I would love to be at home right now in bed. But if you want to get along with God, if you want to hear from God, if you want to be directed by God... Jesus got up early because he knew it was the only time he had. Because once the disciples got up, they were like energy suckers. And I was just, golly, what do you want to know? Okay, okay, yeah, okay, I'll explain that parable yet again. I think he just knew it's the only time I got. I'm going to get up early. And if your house is like mine, it's the only time I've got. Get up early. Staying up late for me doesn't work anymore because I'm just like comatose by 10. I just, I don't even think straight. So getting up early. How about he stayed up all night in prayer? I don't recommend this on a regular basis, but you know what? I will stay up till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night sometimes, depending on what coast they're playing, and watch the Mavericks play. And then I go to bed angry because they lost. Oh, that's really edifying. That really makes a great day the next morning, and I'm exhausted the next morning. But have I ever thought to maybe, you know what? I'm going to stay up till midnight because my family's gone to bed, it's quiet, and I'm going to spend time in prayer. And just get along with God because I don't have any other time to do it. Jesus did it. He prayed before major decisions or events. Man, I blow through major decisions and events. You know, they're here and they're gone. I just got to make a decision. Here comes a major event. It could be the purchase of a house. It could be the purchase of a car. It could be a job change. It could be who you're going to marry. It could be anything. But we just blow through these. Jesus took time to pray before he chose his disciples. Major event. 
Pretty significant. Those guys played a major role in the future of the church. He prayed in private. I think it's important. Many of us love to pray in public. Some of us hate to pray in public. Some of us prefer to pray in public. It's easier to pray in public because people hear us. But praying in private can be pretty tough because nobody's there. At least we don't think there is. We can't see them. But Jesus prayed in private. He prayed regularly. Again, we don't have all the prayers of Jesus. We don't have every day of Jesus' life. We don't have a journal that says, and then I got up and then I went here and then I spent two hours in prayer. We don't know. All I know is that the scripture seemed to indicate he prayed on a regular basis. And he prayed intensely. Intensely. You know, we, we don't pray with a whole lot of intensity unless something's really major gone wrong. You know, you get back from the doctor and you've got prostate cancer and suddenly your prayer life goes, gets real intense all of a sudden. But he prayed intensely. He, he sweat blood, at least on one occasion, where he was so intense and so driven and so into it that he literally sweat drops of blood. How intense is your prayer life? Is it like the guy on the, the screen? You know, going through your, you know, your little chart. You know, uh, yeah, and, uh, oh yeah, and, oh my kids. Oh yeah, pray for my kids. Oh yeah, keep my kids safe. Okay, let's move on. Does it have intensity? Do you pray for direction? Jesus did. He prayed for direction. Guys, we need direction. Um, we make mistakes. We make stupid decisions. We we need God to tell us what to do. But that comes through prayer. Yes, it comes through his word, but if all you do is read the word and you do not pray, I feel like you have a lopsided walk with God. You're missing something. He prayed for fellowship. I think he went and he prayed because he wanted to talk to his father. Do you ever get frustrated with people? Do you? Man, I do. Yeah, you just get you get tired of hearing everybody's problems. You get tired of your boss. You get tired of your employees. They're all idiots. You know, you just get you get tired of your kids arguing. You get tired of your wife telling you about your kids arguing. You get tired of conflict. You get tired. It, you know, I think Jesus. I think he got tired of some of the stuff, some of the disciples, some of their dim-wittedness. The people constantly just coming and asking, "Gimme, gimme, gimme, heal me, heal me, heal me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just was like, I just want to talk to God. I want to talk to my father. I want some fellowship. I want some real fellowship. Somebody who I know loves me and is not just trying to suck the life out of me. I think that's what he needed, fellowship. I love what Andrew Murray says. Jesus Christ teaches us. Here's what he teaches us. I need every day to have communion with my father in secret. My life is like his, a life hidden heaven in God. It needs time day by day to be fed from heaven. It is from heaven alone that the power to lead a heavenly life on earth can come. You want to lead a heavenly life on earth? It's going to come from heaven. It's going to come through the power of prayer, not just reading his word. And see, I've lived most of my life concentrating on this but leaving out the prayer part. You can't. Jesus didn't. Jesus knew the word of God, but he also knew fellowship and intimacy with God through prayer. Well, let's look at some teachings on prayer real quickly. What did Jesus teach on prayer? First, I want to look at how not to pray. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to uh, Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. I learned through, probably better through how the not to's, because um, I'm wired that way. Tell me what not to do, because uh, that's what I'm prone to do. 
So what did Jesus teach about how not to pray? And again, this is not exhaustive. This is only one part. Okay, let's, let's take a look at what he taught. This is Matthew 6, 5 through 8. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What is this saying? Well, I'm going to try to put it in terms I can understand, so hopefully it will help you too. What is he saying? First of all, don't use your speaking in God voice. You ever been around somebody who does that? You know, you're, you're having a prayer time, oh, dear God. And it's like this guy with a squeaky voice that suddenly becomes a prophet. And his whole voice, his mannerisms change, and he gets his, you know, he uses these and thous, and he, he, you're like, where is that coming from? It's just conversation, guys. It, it's not, you're not trying to impress God, and, I, and hopefully, as this passage teaches, you're not trying to impress the guy around you. If you are, you've, you'll get your reward. Either he's going to laugh at you, or he's going to go, gosh, what a godly guy. And that's the only reward you're going to get. See, it's not about your speaking in God voice, and it's real easy to fall into that when you get around a group of guys and you're praying. And we all just start trying to impress one another with our prayerfulness or the length of your prayer, you know, the depth of your prayer. Um, it's, it's just talking to God. Don't use elegant words and lots of them. You know, again, the these and thous. Last night, I'm praying for the meal in our home, and both my wife and I are exhausted, and we're just, you know, throw the meal out there. We're just eating. The kids are there and they blow in the door and we all sit down. It's very rare for us to sit down and have a meal together. I finish my prayer and my 14-year-old son who's sitting to the left of me turns to me and he goes, you always say the same thing. So what are you talking about? He goes, you always use the word watch care. What's that? And I really got kind of peeved at him. <laughs> you know, don't, don't be critiquing my prayer, kid. At least I pray. Um, I just wanted to backhand him. I was like, what do you mean? I don't always say that. And he goes, yeah, you do. Because what's watch care? And then I caught myself trying to explain what watch care is. I didn't even know I said it. And now I'm trying to explain it. Repetition. We just, we get into these little mindless prayers, you know, God bless my children. What does that mean? What, What do we mean by that? Don't use lots of word and don't just, don't use repetitive words. Don't pray to be noticed. You know, and again, it's real easy to get caught in a trap of, of only praying when you're around people and in front of people. Um, pray in silence and pray by yourself. And if you're in a prayer meeting with somebody, and maybe don't pray out loud at all. You ever thought about the fact that you can pray silently and God still hears you whether they do or not? But I want them to hear me. They need to hear my prayer. I'm a pretty good prayer. I'm a better prayer than he was. He just bored me. No, just pray. Don't pray to be noticed. Don't replace private prayer with public prayer. I think that's inherent in this verse. Don't, I don't pray much at home, and I don't really have a prayer time, but, man, I love to pray when I get around other people. I love to pray in church. I love to be asked to pray. I love to, I love to pray around 
and in front of other people. If, if that's your only prayer life, there's something wrong with this picture. That's not intimacy with God. That wasn't only Jesus' prayer life. He prayed with others, but he prayed alone. Don't pray without content. Don't pray without content. Uh, I was thinking about this one. Um, you know, we pray silly little prayers like, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. That's, there's, there's no content to that. Uh, we just love little memorized rote prayers. And, and as I've thought about this, I've tried to think, how do I want my kids to talk to me? Um, I don't want my son coming up to me and saying, you know, Dad is great, Dad really rocks, let me ask him for an Xbox. You know, I, uh, I, want, him to, I want him to have a conversation with him. If he comes to me and, and that's his, like every day, Dad is great, Dad really rocks, let me ask him for an Xbox. You know, I'm going to go, no. I, I just want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. I want a relationship with you. I don't want these little mindless ditties that we throw out there every day. He's, he's a father who wants to hear from his children. If you can keep it in that context when you think about prayer, it, it should really help you because, man, if your kids talk to you the way you talk to God, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Not little mindless ditties. Don't pray ritualistic, meaningless prayers. I think you know what that means. So what, is, what does Jesus teach how to pray? Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. This is from the New Living Translation, verses 9 through 13. And I chose to use these because I think it makes it clear, and I need clarity. Pray like this, Jesus says. He's told you how not to pray. Then he says, pray like this. And this is a passage you're very familiar with. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today. And forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Many of you have probably memorized this. You've heard sermons on it. You, you know it well, but what in the world is he saying? It's a model prayer. It's not to be prayed mindlessly and repetitively. This is not to be your prayer life. That's not what Jesus was saying. He said, pray like this. Pray in this manner with some of these same ingredients. So what's in this little prayer? Pray like you're talking to someone who really loves you. See, he starts up, Father, Father. And Ted's going to get into this a whole lot more when he does the series in January. But this is the first time. Jesus is the first person to pray to God as Father. Think about that. Up until this time, no Hebrew had ever prayed to God as Father. He changed the relationship, and it became intimate, and it became father and son, father and child. Prayed like you're talking to someone who loves you, not some distant deity who's up there ready to thump you if you don't do it right. He loves you. He cares about you, just like a father. Pray remembering he's sovereign. He's majestic. He's all-powerful. He's in heaven. He knows what's going on. Pray, and don't pray like he can't help, like he doesn't know. Uh, I heard somebody this last week, I was listening to a, a tape, and the, the guy talked about the fact that somebody had come up to him and, and uh, was, had a real difficulty in his life, and he goes, well, have you, have you shared that with God? And he goes, no. I don't want God to know. And the, the pastor said, he already knows. God knows. 
but he wants to hear it come out of your mouth. You know, if, if I know one of my kids has done something really bad, knowing is not enough. I want them to come to me and tell me without me having to go to them and expose it. There's a difference. God wants to hear from us. Remember that he's sovereign. He's in heaven. He knows. You can share with him, and he's not surprised, and he's not shocked. Make praise and worship a part of your experience. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's holy. He's righteous. Sing. It's okay to do that, especially if you're by yourself. If you have to get on a mountain, go do that. Uh, But sing to God. Make praise and worship a part of your prayer life. It doesn't have to be just asking and asking and asking. It can be praise and worship. Get in your car, put in a CD, listen to music, make it a part. If you don't want to sing, just at least enjoy somebody else's singing, but make praise and worship a part of your prayer life. Put his will above your own. We saw this in the passages earlier in Hebrews. We see it in this. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven? Perfectly, completely, all the time, everywhere. It's, it's basically saying, I want the same thing here. I want your will, Father, lived out perfectly and completely and let it begin here on earth as it is in heaven. Put his will above your own. Don't be afraid to share with him your needs. Tell him what your needs are. If it's financial, tell him. If, if it's a health need, tell him. If it's relational, tell him. Whatever it is, let him know. If you're tired, Lord, say, Lord, I'm exhausted. I am so tired. I, don't, I can't even take the next step. Tell him. But remember the difference between your wants and your desires. Too much, too much of our prayer life is, is wrapped up in things that I want rather than things that I need. Pray that you would be as forgiving as you are forgiven. Remember how much you've been forgiven and forgive others in the same way. See, this is all that this passage is telling us. Pray for strength to endure tests and not let them become temptations. Don't pray that all the tests go away. See, that's what we do. Take it away, take it away, take her away, take him away, take that away. No, just help me endure and to grow and to learn and let, don't let them become a temptation to sin, to get angry, to take vengeance. And finally, pray dependently on God's daily deliverance from evil. Pray dependently. Pray because you need him. I want my kids to come to me because they need me, not because they just want something. They want the relationship more than they want the stuff that I can provide. Pray dependently. I'm going to skip this and go straight to application because we're running out of time. Here's the application, guys. Here's what you and I can glean from the prayer life of Jesus. Pray for others. Pray for others. Jesus prayed for others. They brought little children to him, and he placed his hands on them, and he prayed for them. Children were considered little more than slaves in the economy of of Jesus' day. He prayed for them. In his high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus prayed for you and I. He says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. He prayed for you and I. He's still praying for you and I. Not only pray for others, pray with others. I'm convinced that we need to pray more together. Uh, Ben Brummett came to my house on Monday, and we spent time in prayer together just to pray for this men's ministry, which we do not do enough. It's, It's great to get together and pray together. If somebody has a need, to stop and pray with them. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and went with them up on the mountain to pray. I think he prayed with the disciples. He prayed with others. He prayed alone. 
We've seen this already. He withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Pray alone, guys. I know it's hard. But even if you do it for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, get alone with God and pray and just share. Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. Stop long enough to just get along with him. Maybe it means you set your alarm at work to 10.15 and you take a 15-minute break and you just take a walk. I don't know. But get along with him. Pray alone. Pray out in nature. Sometimes we just need to get away. It could be just going to the local park and, and walking through it and just enjoying the presence the, of the trees, the birds, the quietness. Pray in nature. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Sometimes when we can get out and about in nature, we get ministered to and we feel closer to God. Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. Why? I just think he needed to be in silence and in the beauty of God's creation, his creation that he created. Pray with intensity. This is something I need in my, my prayer life. Pray with intensity. Jesus spent the night praying to God. I need to get more intense in my prayer life. Not just little bullet prayers that I throw up and little flare prayers that help me with this and help me with that and watch over the kids and watch over my wife and make my, my home a perfectly peaceful place and let me not have to put any effort into that happening. You know, that is not prayer that's intense. Prayer that's intense is really getting deep with God. Pray regularly, guys. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Pray regularly. Make it a part of your life. And then pray genuinely. John 17, we're not going to look at it, but if you go back and read his high priestly prayer, it was genuine. It was real. It was heartfelt. It wasn't just reading a notepad of just things. It was heartfelt. Pray based on a knowledge of God and his truths. It's so hard to pray accurately if we don't know the word clearly. To pray within his word and within his will. And there's certain things you don't ask God for because they're against his will and his word. So pray based on the knowledge of God. That means you've got to spend time in his word. And oftentimes pray the word back to him. Hey, Lord, this is what it says. I need that in my life. I need you to help me with that. Pray his word back to him. Pray persistently. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. Pray, 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 don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. Jesus did. And then pray in the Father's will. In Matthew 26, Jesus three times asked God to allow for an easier path. Take this cup away from me. But how did he end it? Yet not as I will, but as you will. Pray in the Father's will. Sometimes, guys, you're not going to get the answer you want. Sometimes you're not going to get the response you want. Sometimes you feel like you've got no answer. But pray that, hey, Lord, whatever your will is, if you don't solve this little financial dilemma for me on the timetable I want, in the terms that I want, I'm okay with that because you know what's best. And I'm going to trust you. Your will be done. Trust him. Your will be done. Well, here's how I want to close. And again, just around your table there, just in silence, I want you to consider something. Think about your prayer life. Think about the state of your prayer life. What's it like? How healthy is it? And I want you to ask God, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, to give you a passion for prayer. Ask that right now.
And would, would you have the guts to ask what the disciples ask? I don't think they knew what they were asking. But would you be willing to ask the Father to teach you how to pray? Could be kind of dangerous. But I don't think you need to fear it. Just say, Father, teach me to pray. Say, Father, make me a man of prayer like Jesus was. Father, we come to you as men who are bombarded daily by so many different things in our lives, so many pressures, so many just just garbage that hits us left and right. The world, Satan, the flesh. And we're so busy that we don't have time for you. Father, I confess that I am not a man of prayer. I'm a man of action. Uh, I'm a man who just gets busy. And I justify it that well, so it's, it's just busy stuff for you, God. I'm working for you. And you're a father who sits there and says, I just want you to shut up, sit down, and talk to me. And listen to me. Learn from me. Father, however you need to do it, slow us down. Refocus us, Father. If you're going to use the economy to do that, do it. Refocus us. Reprioritize what's really important, and it's a relationship with you. Make us men of prayer. Make this a church of prayer where prayer is the first priority in our lives, not action, not a program, not our pocketbooks, but communion with you. If Jesus needed it, we need it. And so, Father, I thank you that you've given us the privilege of coming into your presence. The veil has been torn in half. We can literally come into your presence and we can talk with you. And you love us like a dad who loves his children. Help us to see you that way. Help us to show you with the respect you deserve. Remember you're holy. Remember you're righteous. Remember you're sovereign, but you're still our Father. Lord, thank you for these guys. Bless their day. Bless their week. Make them in and make me into men who love to pray. And we pray this right now in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.